Our business blew up so much that hiring people became a necessity. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Pat Hyben. Pat, how are you doing today? Awesome, Todd. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit about Pat. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of him. He's the uh, founder and former chairman of, is it Rebus University? Yep, Rebus for Rebus. Uh, real estate business. Real estate business. As a former host and founder of the real estate podcast, Real Estate Rockstars, uh, which is still running just with a, with a new host, um, had featured guests, including Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran. Um, Pat is also a former real estate agent out of the Baltimore area and was a billion dollar agent rewarded, awarded the number one Remax agent uh, by gross commissions in the world in 2004. Uh, number one, Keller Williams uh, agent in units sold nationwide, 2006. Uh, you know, best-selling author, all kinds of awesome stuff. Uh, he's also one of the founders of GoBundance, which is a, um, a like a mastermind group, a, an adventure group for wealthy, healthy, generous individuals who want to lead epic life. So. Man, lots of stuff, lots more that can be talked about. But Pat, why don't you give our listeners more about your background, your story, and then we'll lead in. Yeah, um, you know, I'm from Maryland. I was born in Georgetown Hospital, Washington, D.C., right outside of Maryland. Um, and um, grew up there, grew up in Columbia, Maryland, uh, five kids in a family. Um, went to a local college there uh, and basically got into real estate sales uh, right out of college, 21 years old. I, I, I'm an October baby. So I was early. So, you know, I, I, I went into real estate that, you know, wasn't one of these soul things where it's like uh, uh, do what you're passionate about and do what you love. I, I didn't really know what I loved other than, you know, partying and, yeah friends and yeah you know i mean that's what you what you love at 21 is yeah. a little different than what you love in your yeah. 40s and I, didn't, I didn't get that concept at all um yeah. so you know and i and i, I wanted money really bad i think so that kind of helped and mm. and and i i also knew what i didn't love and that was bosses um and authority mm. figures so i think I, I that helped a lot too so i kind of based it on that but i, I went in um and uh, just started selling real estate. And um, I, I had a, a career that lasted over 25 years selling real estate, uh, you know, grew it year by year, every year, eventually had my own brokerage, had a mortgage company, a title company, um, you know, investments, uh, everything. Then, you know, w w when the bubble burst in, say, 2007, you know, I just kind of uh, developed a negative neuro association to the whole game um, and uh, eventually got out, uh, became more of an investor 
uh, started a company uh, with three other partners called uh, Dapt Acquisitions, which is a which a multifamily company. Today we have over two thousand units um, of uh, multifamilies. Uh, apartment buildings, um, you know, bought a bunch of little uh, onesie twosies myself, rented those out, uh, bought some commercial properties. And then uh, I started GoBundance with uh, two other guys. Uh, uh, gosh, it's been 10 years now, I guess. And um, that's done really well. Uh, like you said, it's a you know, between the men's tribe and the women's tribe, we have uh, over 800 uh, members. And then we have something called Emergent Ascend, which is the beginner level, uh, not yet a millionaire. And there's probably another hundred in there. So we're creeping on over a thousand um, uh, people. We're changing lives uh, with and for uh, currently. And um, that's it. You know, my, I have two kids. Um, they're in their twenties, uh, and, uh, my wife and I live in South Carolina, uh, but we have a couple other houses we bounce around to as well. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I do. Man, I, I, I love the, the intro there. You kind of just made it sound like no big deal. Like you just, you just kind of are a guy. Uh, which I love, very humble. So, but we're gonna dive in a little bit and learn more about this guy. Um, I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about some of the more current things that you're doing. The multifamily company uh, is that something that you're mostly passive in or active? Is that is are you guys buying those properties yourselves and managing and and that type of stuff or, or what's the give me give me kind of the rundown of that company? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. So um, so whenever you start a company out, and someone asked me this bef- uh, recently, actually, like what to look for in business partners. Whatever, whenever you start a company out. I think the key is that you pick partners that you actually um, kind of complement um, and kind of balance. Like you don't want to both be be the be the same. And 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 so what happened was it's for uh, DAPT acquisitions stands for David, Andrew, Pat, and Tim, four guys, and uh, we did a bunch of traveling together and we hung out and we talked about the same things. And um, uh, Andrew, who is our main guy, is was an electrical engineer, and he wanted to quit his job as an electrical engineer. Tim Rode, our partner, was actually at the time a coach for foreclosures.com on how to buy mm-hmm. foreclosures, and he was coaching Andrew out of his job uh, into becoming a foreclosure buyer, and um, Andrew knew nobody. Um, David Osborne and myself, along with Tim Rode, knew a ton of people. Like, you know, I, I had been 25 some years in real estate with all the major companies, been to all the major conventions, uh, did a lot of conventioning. I, I just knew knew and know people all, all over the world, right, in the real estate game, people with money. Um Andrew didn't know anybody, you know, uh, his sphere of influence was on, on both his hands, uh, yet he was a genius when it came to numbers. 
so we we worked at a partnership where we would bring um, the people and also the money. We all had money. We were already rich. Andrew was starting out. Let's, for lack of a better way to put it. So like the first five deals, we didn't syndicate. We just did them all ourselves. So we each put, sure. you know, 100, 200, 300 grand each in. Uh, it would make a million bucks. And then we'd sign the loan. And, you know, yeah. that was that. That was our bet. My, my point to all this is that that's what we brought to the table um, at the time. And but of course, over time, now it's been 10 years and we've probably done 15 deals Um over time, what happens is that that list, uh, that email list, uh, just grows. Reputation grows. Um, GoBundance grows. Uh, Andrew's sphere of influence has grown astronomically, and um, our value as people that know other people has dissipated. His value has um, increased because. Not only not only is he the numbers guy, but but now he's the man the management guy, the operating partner guy, the one that oversees like six employees and and a management company that has another ten employees and you know or, or twenty um, and finding all the new deals and everything else. So so what happened as originally was a large you know split. Uh, uh, more of an even split has changed and we're fine with it to um, where our percentage, David, Tim and Pat's percentages have dropped um, and Andrew's has increased. We've added two other people who get percentages now that are, are essentially uh, workers who, who don't get a salary, but just get paid when they find deals and then own a part of the deal for life. Um, and to make a long story short, to answer your original question, my job has become basically nothing um, other than adding a couple people here and there to the to the list of potential syndicated uh, limited partners. And um, from time to time, I'll sign on a loan, um, a non-recourse loan, and, and get a loan signature fee for that. Um, but for the most part, it's nothing, you know, I don't do anything and, and we're except invest on the LP side. So I invest on in all our deals on the LP side, um, just because I believe in them, but I'm lucky in that I still get a portion on the GP side. So did I answer your question? And did yeah, I answer absolutely No, that that's a great bat. Uh, you know, we actually had uh, Andrew uh, Cushman on the show. Man, boy, I probably have to have him back on because I bet that was right around like maybe episode, let's call it 100. And this will be around episode 500. Um, so so I, I should have him back on. It's been a long time. He's a great guy. I, I love uh, Andrew. And uh, it's it, great that you're in business with him. And, and it, it actually goes back to what you said earlier, too, is that you are aligning with these people that and you're just aligning with the right people, right? That everybody doesn't have the same skills or same, you know, Andrews brings a totally different skill set than what you do. And, um, you know, you're bringing the connections you're bringing. I think you're probably downplaying what you bring because you bring in a lot of, a, a lot of people that just trust the name 
right? They, they know your name, they know who you are, they, they like you, they trust you. And so you're bringing those people into the company uh, that want to be LP investors. So you're probably downplaying a little bit of, of maybe what you bring to the table, but. Um, and I yeah. think at the, in the beginning, we, we, we also brought to each other cumulatively, cohesively as, as, a, as a foursome, a belief that, yeah, yeah. we could we could do this, especially huge. since we did the, the, the first four or five we did, you know, we just did them ourselves. And then they, and then as time goes on, they get bigger, you know what I mean? And then you're like, can we raise it? It's kind of funny looking back, like in 2011, I, I have emails on some of these deals that we still own and, and I'll go back because I'll forget like how much I put into them originally and stuff. And I'll go back and sort through the old emails and look <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, we were begging in the beginning. We were like, Hey, we're buying an apartment. You know, do you want to put in 50 grand? Um, you, you know, here's the deal. And it was kind of unheard of. Like it was not many people did that. Yep. You know? Um, it, and it wasn't as public, right? The podcasts weren't around and it yeah, just, podcasts weren't around. Yep. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot different. It was a, definitely a lot different trying to get money in 2000, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 than it is right now. It's, it's, it's so much the technology, the social media has just blown up and it's, it's so, it's so much easier to get in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. There was no pot. There was no such thing. That yeah. word wasn't even in the dictionary podcast. <laughs> you know, it was emailing like the printout with like the details and a couple of photos. And I, I mean, I remember starting uh, this, uh, you know, real estate. My first purchases were back in 2008. I remember in 2007, 2008, driving around my car with with literally a tape deck. That that's how I, I instead of listening to a podcast, I'd be listening to an audio tape or CD uh, in my car. And, <laughs> and there wasn't a podcast. You just that's what you listen to. You know, I think about that from time to time. I I don't you know I don't know if it's something that will last forever, or it's a it's a, it's like, um, kind of a wave up and down because like real estate investing, like wasn't even a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like nobody, very few people did it. And the people that did it were like, you know, the guy that bought like one house a year and sure. ended up, you know, retired with like 30 houses and did all the management himself. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that was real estate investing. It, it, and, and then there were the big dogs who had office buildings and stuff like that. But this whole, I, this whole thing has just opened up to so many normal people, which is good. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like what happened when they made the stock market. It allowed randoms to invest. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, but it's just amazing how it's such a such a top of mind thing. It's such a huge thing now, and I just wonder if it'll ever go back to any less than that, where people will just be like, ah, 
you know, I'm not going into real estate. I guess I could, I guess a lot of it depends on how, um, how the returns are in other asset classes. Um, and also the tax rules, because, you know, the greatest thing about real estate investing is the, you know, if, if, if you can get the real estate professional status, I mean, yep. that's like, yeah, huge. your tax benefits are, are massive. And if they take that away, it could change. Yeah. Everything. yeah. I mean, look, I, I think real estate became very popular and I think it, it's really, it's business in general too. I mean, being an entrepreneur was not this lucrative thing. And, and until these podcasts came out until TV shows came out and they kind of now make being an entrepreneur a sexy, just like this is because people see the end result. They don't see those who fail. They don't see those who struggle. They see those who succeed. And those people might talk a little bit about their failures and, and struggles and stuff like that, but they're mostly talking about their success and they see their plane and their whatever. And so people get excited about that. And that's the same thing with real estate. I think, you know, HGTV and, you know, all these do it yourself and, and, and uh, flip, flip this house and that type of stuff. And and then now you got podcasts and, you know, conferences all over the place. I mean, I, uh, I'm speaking at a conference this, this week. And I think there's, I swear there's three conferences every week talking about the exact same thing. And so it's, things have changed, I think drastically. And I think you're right though. If the tax code changes, if the return metrics drastically change, all of a sudden it just doesn't become very attractive for people. So that's, or if the government really highly gets involved more than what they are right now. I mean, that, that those definitely could change. Let's, uh, let's talk about GoBundance. What, like back to at the very beginning, you know, what, what was the reason for this GoBundance group, you know, foundational why why'd you start it well that was that was definitely un, unlike the story i was telling before where i got into real estate just because i you know i didn't know any better i i think abundance was much more of a you know it's much more later in life and it was um and i didn't we didn't even do it you know, for money by any means, we did it for, and, and it sounds like a cliche, but we really did it just because we liked talking to other people who thought like us. I mean, essentially what happened was David and I were at another conference and the guy who was running the conference, our, one of our mentors, Dr. Fred Gross said, everybody in the audience, pick a person that's going to keep you accountable to your goals. And, and, and I saw it was mainly couples and I was, I, I, you know, I had a wife and kids at home, but my kids were like two and three years old. Um, and so I was there by myself, David was there by himself. And so I like looked and saw the only other guy there kind of like there wasn't a couple and I, I nodded my head and he kind of back nodded his head and we started talking and then, you know, we started talking about money 
and we both loved money and we loved talking about money. And then eventually, a couple of years later, we met Tim Rode at another conference. And same thing, we started talking about money. And we love talking about money and horizontal income and investing. And then we were like, who else likes to talk about horizontal income and investing and also likes to do stuff outside and, and you know, exercise and kind of do guys type of stuff, like dirty stuff. And uh, we started inviting other people. Then we had like one time at David's house in Steamboat, Colorado, we had like 18 guys there and, um, you know, it was a blast, but, and, and it, it was a blast. And the funny thing is we organized it. It's just like the type of work, like if you're having a party, right, you do a lot of work to have a party, but you like to do it because you want to have a party. Yeah. Um, and that's the type of work that it was. It was like, we, we wanted to host 18 guys and just talk about goals and, um, you know, we're going to make any money. We're actually going to lose money on the deal, but, um, but we wanted to do it. So we did the work. And then, then we decided to plus that one. And, and we had it in uh, Grand Labakan in Lake Tahoe. And we had like 35 guys there. And that's where it became, you know, Hey, we should charge for this because, um, you know, we were exhausted afterwards. So, um, <laughs> so, so, uh, but we love doing it the same thing. Cause same reason. So, um, so that's when we started charging for it and lo and behold to where it is now. And that's a true story. And it was all like just natural. It wasn't, um, it, it wasn't forceful at all. It was just, we liked doing that. And, and we actually were tired of each other. Like we'd spent 10 years, like setting goals together and tracking our net worth and things like that. We were tired of each other's stories and excuses and, you know, mannerisms and stuff. So we wanted new blood to meet and to, mm, to introduce us to, and, and kind of, and then, so that's, that's a really, it's a really good company story because it really is, um, it just it would just be in ourselves is all it would just be in ourselves and thinking the way we think and they're like other people seem to like it i i didn't think i, I i'll be the first one to tell you of of the other guys i was more of a negative nelly like man we're weird like other people aren't going to want to do this like like they're not going to catch on to this they're not going to want to pay money to set goals and talk about their net worth and talk about how many lines of horizontal their income they have. And they're, you know, I was so wrong. It's like, uh, people are now like, I, we, I'm in South Carolina. I just had a little meetup here, a local meetup and a, a brand new guy came to me, Greg. And he was like, thanks so much for starting GoBundance. And you know, the ideas are brilliant and I'm tapping into everything and uh, it makes so much sense to me. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's happening is it's like changing lives, you know? How do you keep a company like that? Now, I know you've, you've hired a, a you know, guy, a CEO to, to run it. And so you're not necessarily doing everything day to day. But, um, but you, you know, as, as one of the founders, how do you keep the intent of GoBundance? You know, what you guys originally kind of envisioned as it started to grow 
how do you keep that intact? Yeah, it's hard. Like it's, um, you got a thousand or not quite, but you're approaching a thousand people. There's a lot of voices, right? It, it, it's yeah. It's hard because, um, and, and, and I think all companies go through this, you know, all, every company that grows goes through the same cultural, uh, struggles, right. And, 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 and you have older people that have been here since the beginning that remember it when, you know, we would just go and, um, you know, hang out and get drunk and, um, hike for seven days straight, you know, um, and stuff like that. But over time, as a company grows, especially as owners of a company, you can't, you, you can't do that as much as you can't do that with everybody. And you, and you really shouldn't do it with, you, you know, um, I don't know, it becomes, you, you become more distant, I think, and people, people see that. I mean, you want to um, have that intimacy, but it's just, it just doesn't work when you, when you start growing so much. And so, um, uh, so you do have a cultural disconnect, but the, the, what we found is that like, you can create within a large tribe, your own tribe. And, th and that, that is what has happened. Like, even though there's, you know, close to a thousand members, um, if you are, let's say a doctor, you're gonna, if you're gonna, we make it a, easy for you to find the other doctors. If you're uh, somebody who loves to talk about crypto, we're gonna make it easy for you to find the other crypto heads. If you're single, uh, and you like to party and go to nightclubs, we're going to find the other single guys that like to party and go to nightclubs. Like, like, like a lot of that happens um, naturally. You know, you, you go to enough events and you're like, I really like this guy. He's funny. He's cool. And then next thing you know, you see him again and you're like, Hey, you know what I mean? Like, like um, it, it, you find your your micro tribe within the much larger tribe and and it has the same effect right and that's why we have go pods um you know to create a mini tribe that's why we have all the micro tribes that's why we have the local chapter tribes i mean the local chap some of these local chapters are like strong man like you know what i mean like they're they're getting down like Philadelphia and Northern California and, you know, in Northern California, they have a all, all natural. They, they plan it um, like a thing where they bring their families and they get campers and tents and, and they camp out, um, you know, for a weekend at a lake, um, you know, in, in Philly, they're constantly doing going to sports games and uh, having overnights at a winery or, 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 or golf days and stuff like that. I mean, it just, and, and you can really connect on that level if, if you tap into those. So yeah. uh, that's kind of how we've done it is just encourage people to go micro um, on, on, on who they meet and when they meet. And it's not going to matter whether we get to a million, you're still going to, you know, you're still going to be able to have those relationships if you tap into the if you make an effort to tap in, did yeah. I answer your question? 
Yeah, no, that's great. I th- I really love that idea of the, these small, you know, kind of tribes and being able to, because you, you're right. I mean, when you have a thousand people, how are you going to make friends? You can't make friends with a thousand people. You can't truly connect with a thousand people. It just doesn't work. So you, you're only able to connect with a small portion of people, just, just reality. And, but you have access to all these people that are in the tribe. So you have the ability to, as long as you put in the effort, you have the ability to find the right connections uh, that you can really create. And it, and it, good and it happens. And it happens. Like, like we went um, to Mexico mm-hmm. uh, with the gold bunnets, which is guys that are 50 years older and their wives, which is 50 years older wives, of course. Now, my wife really liked it because she doesn't like, it's not she doesn't like, but she doesn't like as much talking to a 31-year-old who's got two little kids that, you know, is just different conversation yeah. than someone yeah. who's 57. Hard to relate to. Yeah. And like, it's like, has a grandkid or hoping for grandkids and, you know, whatever. So, um, so she connected with like 10 different wives there in Mexico. Um, and I connected with like 10 different um, guys there and, 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 and several of them, you know, on a very deep level. Um, and then we're going to go to Jamaica uh, coming up in November and a bunch of the same guys are going, which is going to be great. And I feel very connected to them. Same thing with the international trip. Um, with this year, we have 30 guys going to Croatia. Hmm. Uh, we rented a mega yacht and uh, trust me, by the end of that trip, man, the, there's going to be some some of those guys don't know it yet, uh, but they're going to meet somebody on that trip. And uh, when they die, one of they'll be their pallbearer. Like it, 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 that's the type of friendships that happen uh, yeah. on some of these more intimate trips. Now, that's not going to happen to you if you never go on any of the intimate trips. Um, but it could happen to you in your local tribe and and some of these other things. But my point is you just got to put yourself out there and it will happen. It's not that it's impossible for it to happen just because we have a thousand people. It's, it's very possible for it to happen. Yeah. And that's so true about business and, and, you know, success and, and just really happiness in life, right? You just got to put yourself out there. If, if you're always, you're always kind of in your shell and, and not willing to, uh, you know, to go outside of your comfort zone, you're just, you're never going to create more. You're, you're just going to be, where you're at, right? You're going to be stuck where you're at. That leads me to let's talk about earlier days when you were crushing it in real estate sales. Let's dive into the business side of it. Like, how did you grow that business to to selling a billion dollars of real estate? I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of properties to sell the billion dollars in real estate. How, how did you scale that business to be able to do that? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I was lucky in that. Um, so, you know, now everybody in real estate has teams, right? That's, that's the thing, right? It's yeah. That wasn't you. You didn't have teams. No, I did, but but no one else did. Oh, like I, okay. I don't want to say I created teams because I didn't create teams, but I I created teams. 
So it wasn't, what you're saying is back then, it just wasn't a, it just wasn't that big of a. It was frowned upon actually. Like, like, like when I, when I first got into business, everybody, you did all the work yourself from start Mm. to finish. And it was actually Dr. Fred, our mentor who taught us, you know, you should delegate things. And um, when I started delegating, it was the other agents and the community, at least in, in the perception was you didn't do that because you your name's on the sign and you should be responsible for every little thing that potentially happens and okay um and i started i started hiring telemarketers i started hiring um couriers and and people to work for me and um then they came out with a concept of a buyer agent i heard that at actually a seminar like a remax seminar one guy was doing it in like texas and i was like holy shit came back. I was the first person in my market to do that. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, I started doing television commercials. I, there was a guy in my market who was doing it, but he was spending like 500 bucks a month on it. Right. And, and it, I thought it was a pretty good ad. Um, he would slam like a sold sign, like a magnet on, on his sign. I thought it was pretty good, but I met a guy, Russell Shaw out of Arizona, who was just crushing it, like killing it, like 500 sales a year, something ridiculous all on TV. So I, I became friends with him and I said, can I copy it? And he's like, I don't care. So I literally did not change one single word. <laughs> I, I, I had the exact words of his ad. And actually the night before I shot it, he spent two hours on the phone just as a favor, just as a nice guy wow. re- practicing with me. And I shot that thing. And like literally the, the first, it came out on cable television, uh, like CNN. It was on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CNBC. It was just, just the news. And it came out the first time it just blipped for 30 seconds someone called the phone and said you know i'm gonna talk to you about listing my house i said holy dirt i said this is better than telemarketing because telemarketing you're calling somebody in their home and Mm. picking up you're talking to them this is actually you're showing up in their home your face is in your home their your body's in their home and you're asking them to call you and sell their house. It's it is telemarketing, so I I blasted it up to like fifteen grand a month, man, or something ridiculous. And and just like so, there was someone that did it before, but he wasn't doing it the right way, and he wasn't doing it a big way. And I just blasted him out of the water. I mean, he he was he was smoked. And uh, then I was like the TV guy. I mean, and then we changed, uh, we started changing our commercial, almost like a TV show every six months. And, and that was fun time for me because I'm a creative person. So I, 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 would, I would spend some couple of months with, with uh, my buddy Roy, who, who ran a production company, me and him would mastermind on like how to make a funnier commercial or how to get better. You know, we would, we'd come up with some shit and they're all on YouTube still, but we would just, we did some hilarious stuff and the people just bought it up and then it just grew and it grew and it grew. And, and we were, we were getting one or two listing appointments a day at, at, at the prime and just 
you know? And so for me, that was natural because it was kind of like, I loved, I love building things and building teams and leadership. And I also love uh, the creativity behind the marketing and stuff. And um, it just fit really well. I never really liked the listing appointment or the buyer appointment. I, I liked meeting the people, but I didn't like necessarily the relationship when things did not go as they wanted them to go. Or uh, I also, I also became tired. I, I, you know, eventually I like true story. I fell asleep at a listing appointment, not like <laughs> fell asleep, but like, you know how you eat pizza or something for lunch and you're just, it was like three. Yeah. You're at this, you're just kind of dozing off. You're doing all these. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the lady goes, you just fell asleep. <laughs> I go, Oh man, I had too much for lunch. You know, I went and I threw water on my face and then she starts talking again. And I went, Rah. and then I was, like, and I didn't, I lost it. I didn't get it. I didn't get the listing. <laughs> she didn't want to give, give it again. to sleepy. I'm never doing it again. I was like, I'm never going to an appointment again. I'm done. <laughs> finished. Finished. Anyways, that's kind of how it grew. And it just, it became like our business blew up so much that hiring people became a necessity. Um, you know, so it was, it became easy to hire. And also we became kind of locally famous. So like we literally had agents just showing up at the door going, I want to get into real estate or I'm, I'm with this brokerage and I don't get any leads or I, can I join your team? It was just, it was a great time. It was, it was fun. Um, anyways, that's how we grew that. It, but it was also a long, slow process. I mean, I was, yeah, it didn't I happen probably, overnight. Yeah. I probably went eight years before I had an assistant the first assistant, you know, I probably, I think it was eight years. I was eight years. I did it on my own, hundred percent on my own. And that was selling like four houses a month. So I was, you know, which, which is hard to do by yourself with no assistance and, you know, no team. That was a workaholic schedule, even selling four houses a month. That was, that was back in the day where, you know, you would have, you could have 15, 20 houses in inventory and, and not have an assistant. And, this shit didn't sell for six months, you know? Yeah. Would you suggest a, a new business owner coming in, new business owner, new real estate agent, whatever, whatever it might be coming in, would you suggest that they, they go, you know, eight years or whatever it takes before they hire their first assistant? Or would you say, no, 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 hire, hire right away, hire as quickly as possible. What, what do you, what do you think? I mean, now looking back, I would say hire, as soon as possible. Now I made $13,000 my first year. So like I literally had no room to hire anybody. Yeah. I would have, I would have gone broke. And my second year I made 24,000. So, wow. you know, I mean, I know it becomes, there's a balance, right. But the sooner, the better. Um, the, the, the key is, what you do with the time that you save here, here's where a lot of people mm. get it wrong. They, they hire somebody right away or they hire somebody um, to do the work, but then they go home, you know, then they go, then they, then they, you know, whatever, go play golf. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're, 
starting out and you want to kill it, you know, no, you should, you hire someone to do the work and then you go knock on a hundred doors and say, do you want to sell your house or do you, or you cold call a hundred people or, you know what I mean? You, you do some sort of dollar productive activity where you're aggressively asking for the business um, or, or it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You got to free up the time so you can create new business. If, if you can, if you're freeing up the time, by you know, if you hire your first assistant, they're hopefully doing some of the, just the paperwork, the ease, the, the work that you probably shouldn't be doing. It's not really making you money. Yeah, it's necessary, but it's not really making you money. You got to be out there selling, knocking on doors, like you said. And, and if you hire that door knocker, okay, now how do we start getting on TV ads and growing the business so we can hire more door knockers and, and more people to get the listing appointments and, um, you've got to always, I agree. If you're in the build mode, got to always, always be figuring out what can I do to grow this business? Not what can I do to go golfing? Right. Yeah. You know, providing that's your goal, right? I mean, if your goal is to, is to not make a lot of profit, then that's another story. But yeah, I agree that, that, that's my point is that in the beginning, if, you know, I think you got to work. A couple last questions, Pat. What's what's a mistake that you've made uh, that you can pass down to our listeners? How'd you learn from it? Shit. I mean, I, I've made a lot of mistakes. Investing, I think. I'm, I've also made a lot of wins. You know, I got I, the whole everything I think in life is similar to gambling. It's a sick gamble. It's just a big gamble. And it just, and so I've certainly lost money. Um, it's funny because I'm, I'm going to, we're going to do a panel at GoBundance in Detroit on um, with people that have lost, you know, significant sums of money on, on real estate deals and also businesses and things. And um, I think it's going to be an important topic in the next couple of years, but you if get it, to have the honor of being up there. I do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> about eight of them, you know, I, I don't know if that's good or bad to be up on yeah. that panel. <laughs> I mean, I've had some home runs, but I've had some, um, you know, complete losses completely. Yeah. You know, I, I just had one. I, you know, a company zippy software, um, I invested $175,000 in. they went out of business earlier this year, you know? Um, so, um, and actually I had two just this year, like, you know, 2022, another one prohibited. Um, it, it, I put a hundred grand in that. Uh, I think I got nine back. So I, I lost 91,000 on that. So like, you know, stuff like that happens. I, I yeah. don't know if there's a lesson in it because if I said, Oh, stay in your lane. If I went with a cliche that was stay in your lane, stick to real estate, that sort of thing, I would have missed out on some, some home runs that I hit as well. I, you know, I never really made a, a million dollars on a, on a real estate transaction, but I've made a million dollars three or four times on, um, some of these, some of these business deals that I've done. Um, but I'm still always, you know, somewhere between 50 and 70% real estate as far as my net worth. So, um, so anyways, back to the lesson. Um, you know, an easy one would be, 
sit in a corner and do what you're told. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, you see this, the successful people are the ones that go to a mentor and ask the mentor questions. And then when the mentor gives them answers, they actually do what the mentor says. And lo and behold, they get rich too. Um, it, it works, right? So, but you have to do it. 99 people will listen to a mentor and, and write down what they say, but they won't do it. They won't take action on it and they won't, you know, stick with yeah, it. So right? true. It's so easy to listen to something you hear from a mentor, from podcast, from wherever, and you just listen, you nod your head, you write it down, maybe even, but you just do nothing with it. Or reading a book. How many books, how many books do you need to read? You read, you read one or two books, man, just put them to action. Just actually put them to action <laughs> instead of reading every book in the library, and never doing anything. Right. I agree hundred percent. Yeah, that would, that would be, that's a great piece of advice. And I think my success especially early on, like when I was a real estate agent, I transformed my business just by listening to the guy on stage, you know? Um, you know, I heard at my third year, I took a course. The guy's like, become a listing agent. Don't, don't work, you know, don't focus on buyers. Buyers will come because people will call off your signs and stuff. All you want to do is focus on listings. And I think like up until that time in three years, I had like two listings and I was like, okay, I'm a listing agent now. And literally just started listing houses. Like not as easy as that. Right. I did what he told me to do step-by-step. Step, and then I, I became a listing agent. And I never looked back. And I was like, thank God I was right. Because you know, I had all these listings and all the other agents were running around selling them for me. So yeah. I didn't have to do anything. So I was like, this is a great deal. MLS works. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. Yeah. Take, take, take the advice you're given. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to follow everything, right. But at least think about the advice that's been given to you. Understand, does this make sense or does this not? And if it makes sense, run with it. There's, there's a lot of smart people out there that have been there before you that can lead you down the journey to save you a lot of headaches, a lot of, you know, just really shortcut it and make you a whole heap of a lot of money in, in you know, just like the, the TV ad. I mean, you used word verbatim what this other guy was saying. You didn't have to recreate the wheel. You just did exactly what he did. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mentor that said, Creativity is the ability to hide the source. Hmm. You know, he's like, don't, 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 don't get too cute. Yeah. You know, just copy somebody yep. <laughs> and stay it was yours, your idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. So, Pat, um, I ask everybody the same question. And wealth is different for everybody. So, so that's what I like the question. The question is, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Um, the first is easy. The first is save. 
I think most people are terrible savers. Almost all people are terrible savers. Like they don't, they just don't. Yeah. They don't get high from saving. You have to be, you have to have like some sort of dopamine rush from saving money. Like, like I started, like, like I remember hearing people say, you know, my goal is to have five Rolex watches. My goal is to have, you know, these cars or, or, or these material things. And I never really got off on that. I, I, always got off on having $10,000 in the bank in a certificate of deposit or having a stock account with a certain amount or, or a bar of gold or, or a Bitcoin or whatever it is. My goals were always, I'm going to buy one of those uh, rather than I'm going to buy something material. And, and I think then that all lends to basically saving you know, um, so set your goals to, to buy investments versus things. Yep. Uh, the second would be um, keep the momentum, just keep doing it constantly. I think I have made mistakes in the past, like someone, like all through the 90s, um, nobody bought real estate, nobody bought and, and, and rented real estate, held real estate, hmm. barely people, you know, it was a tough market. I mean, it was houses, there were transactions, but they, it was the same. It was a probably eight or nine year period where, you know, the same amount of houses would sell every year. Um, I, I wish I had just bought a, a simple house or two, maybe every six months or every 12 months bought a house and just kept it forever. Um, so I would say just keep buying, you know, the, the old ad is a dollar cost averaging, no matter what it is, whatever you're doing, whatever you're saving for, um, just even if it's cash, just keep, keep plugging away at, um, or, or whatever you're investing in. It's hard to get, you know, it's hard to get rich only saving, right? You, you have to save and then you have to invest. So yeah. the second one would be invest, but invest regularly, like yeah. every six months or more. I'm constantly moving furniture around and I just sold a shopping center I had for 14 years. I'm, um, you know, deploying that 300,000 now or not, you know, some of it I'm waiting on. Um, I, you, you know, I'm constantly buying and selling, buying and selling. Uh, just keep the momentum with your investments, I think is, is a good thing. Um, and then the third one would be, um, uh, You know, it's probably a good time to say this, and not a lot of people would agree with me on this, but you should have some diversification, I believe, in especially in non-correlating assets. Um, very difficult because a lot of assets correlate. You've seen recently, you know, crypto fell the same time the stock market fell. So that's correlating, right? Real estate has not fallen yet. Um but it will, uh, it, it, there's still a lot of gas in real estate. There's, um, you know, so I, I think that I'm always, I'm always more real estate than anything else, but at the same time, I, I invest in other things. 
I, I, I like to maintain a certain amount of cash. I like to maintain a, a lower loan to value ratio than most people are comfortable with. Um, and I consider that diversification, right? I consider yep. that a hedge. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, most, most, uh, financial planners are probably telling you to diversify, but they're telling you to diversify in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which that that's not diversification. They're all the same right? thing. except the same bonds. Thing. And bonds, you know, I heard a podcast yesterday, a guy was talking about a 6% bond with Oracle that that's pretty much guaranteed that that's paying 6%. I mean, if word, if, if you start seeing more and more of that coming out, that's a great deal because a lot yeah. of the real estate now is only paying two. So, yeah. you know, uh, much, much less of a risk. You don't get the tax breaks, but um, still it's starting to get interesting. Put it that way. Yeah. It's starting to get interesting. We, we could talk more about that. Of course, I'm already over time with you. So I do, I do want to respect that, but we could definitely talk about the interesting market and what's happening today. Uh, man, that's a whole nother episode. Um, Pat, look, I really appreciate your time. It's been fun just kind of going down this journey with you and super humble. So I appreciate just hearing, um, how you talk about your success and, um, just, just kind of a, just a, a regular dude. So I, I love, I love uh, listening to your story. Really appreciate the the information you've given to our listeners. Pat, uh, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about GoBundance, learn more about just what you got going on, how can they reach out? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't have a website um, that really does anything but goes to my book. I, I have a couple of books, Six Steps to Seven Figures. I have... Um, tribe of millionaires and uh, Tim Rode and I just wrote a book called the quitters manifesto, which is uh, coming out on August 13th. So soon, like yeah. less than two months. Um, and that's with bigger pockets publishing. And uh, we're real excited about that. That will be found on the quitters quittersmanifesto.com I think mm. just you know quittersmanifesto.com and mm. um, yeah and then of course you could just google my name and um, you know I'm around awesome well Pat again really appreciate appreciate your time appreciate the the insights you've been able to give it's been a pleasure thank you Good, good hanging out with you, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.